Welcome back to Finding My Perfect Awkward. And this week I'm with the morning show co-host of 99.9 KISW, The Rock of Seattle. It's Steve Miggs. What is going on, Steve? How are you? I'm great. Uh, I, I, I just, I'd love to start off this uh, chat with what made me think that you're like the best person was, what was it, Saturday of the radio convention. So the radio convention starts, what, like on Wednesday night, people show up. I'm pretty introverted, so it's always hard for me to like get to meet new people. But once I do, I have fun meeting. I, I just suck at small talk. I suck at getting to know people because I'm just so shy until I get to know them, which is mm -hmm. really almost impossible then. So Wednesday happens, Thursday happens. By Friday, I'm starting to get to meet the newer crew that are there and getting to know people. And that's when I kind of finally started chatting with you and, and your crew and everyone was awesome. And then Saturday usually is a day where everyone's gone. Uh, but a few of us would get together and we went to a, a really fun bar in Chicago and then slowly everyone starts trickling in that's still around, including yourself. And yeah. you had like the best moment ever in the entire weekend was uh, you're on your phone. I'm like, what are you, what are you on the phone with? And you're like with my airlines, I'm changing my flight so I can hang out with all of you for the rest <laughs> of the day. And I'm like, that is what I love about these conventions. It's like, cause I was like, oh, I'm bummed. I just met you. It's fun chatting with you, but you're leaving. And then like, no, I'm going to stay for another full day. I'm like, this is great. I, I just thought that was like the coolest thing. It's like, that's just a testament to uh, what like our radio conventions are like. It's like you start off not knowing people and by the end you're bummed to see them go. Exactly. It's kind yeah. of like summer camp. We were all saying it's yes. kind of like summer camp. You meet all your friends and then you're like, oh, you got to go back home. Oh my God. You guys were talking about what you guys wanted to do throughout the night and then like the next day. And I was like, well, I leave at like nine o'clock tonight and you all are going to still be out. I'm going to have to like, yeah. go to the airport while you guys are in like the prime time of the night. I don't know what they do yet. Like, I want to be able to have fun too. I'm going to have FOMO, right. right? It was, it was, I used points for that trip. Mm -hmm. So worth it. It worth was, it. that was my favorite day of the entire trip. Like that was just like all this, all the left behinds and we're all <laughs> just hanging out at this bar. And like what was supposed to be the first of many bar stops. We never left that bar. We never <laughs> left that bar. No, no. We we met at that bar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we left later in the night, like late yeah. late at night. We left to go somewhere, but then we ended up back there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all we were there. And then we ended up at some bar that was it was a gay bar that turned into a drag show. Yeah. And, and it was awesome, and we were all having a blast. And then it was just like, but then it was like, I don't want to watch a show. I just want to drink. Yep. And, and there was a few of us that all felt the same way. So we're like, let's just go back to the bar that we know we're used to. And we end yeah. up there. And I think we spent the entire time there for the rest of the night trying to throw those little umbrella. <laughs> those, that go in the, <laughs> we, we had these little um, those umbrella drinks that we were having. And so we're using the umbrellas to see if we can throw them into each other's drinks yeah. for hours. Like this was our this was our night. I totally forgot about that. We all started to be like, you know what? I'm gonna keep tally. You better like you better do this. <laughs> Those are my favorite nights when you just do something so stupid like throwing an umbrella into each other's drinks, and that is the entertainment for the night. It was so much fun, but I don't think I've drank that much in a sh like a short amount of time ever. Yeah. Same here. Like I almost never drink. You know, I have a two and a half year old or almost three year old. So like the idea of like getting wasted is not a good idea because yeah. no matter how hungover I am the next day, she doesn't care. She's yeah. waking me up at six 30 in the morning. So like, that's like the only weekend I, I drank, I think in like probably close to a year 
Uh, but yeah. but it's like, okay, I can because I don't have any responsibilities. I'm not driving. I don't have any family. I'm just going to pass out in a hotel. I can wake up whenever I want. It's, yep. it, it was the best time. I also remember, unfortunately, I remember throwing up in the car. Um, were you there? Yes, that was also awesome. I wasn't going to bring that up, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> because I wasn't that was going to. Because oh. you were struggling in the back of the Uber. I was. Yeah, and then we luckily Sarah from our show bought her hu- or her future husband a T-shirt, but had a bag. And the shirt was in a bag, and then all of a sudden I hear Danny go, "Hey, uh, Sarah, can you pass that bag to the back of the Uber?" And I'm like, "Oh, I know what that means." And so I was oh. like, "Oh crap, we got to protect what's going on." So I start talking really loud to the Uber driver. So I don't know if you're going to be a loud hurler or what. So I was like, you know what? Like, let's make as much noise so he has no idea that someone's puking in the back of the car. Because I think the Uber was on my name. So I'm like, I don't want to get dinged for this. But also, I'm not going to be like, stop puking. Like, if you got to puke, you got to puke. <laughs> that was such a shit show. It was so great. I, um, But I get car sick so Same. easily. So you and you were in the alcohol. backpack. Yeah. yeah, and then you put some alcohol in that, and it's kind of yeah. just like, and your stomach's not going to care about anything. Nauseous right. or not, like, it's yeah. not, it doesn't matter. You're in the car, <laughs> right. you get car sick, and it's just going to be up. So that bag was a paper bag. And it I, wasn't I much, go, no. No, I went to go throw it away, and it was, like, wet at the bottom. Oh, like, no. There's not a lot in here, so thank God that I didn't oh. do that because it would have been so bad. I can't. That to me is a successful night. It was fun. It uh, was super so fun. fun. How did you get into radio? It's crazy. I, I I got into radio. I mean, I did radio in college, and I fell in love with like just the form of radio. Like you know, growing up as a kid, I would call into a sports talk show at the middle of the night, and like that was such an exhilarating rush. Like, oh, I'm on the radio. You know, my buddies, we would all try and do that. And I was like, our the next day at school, and this is like junior high and high school, we would get in the next day and be like, did you get it on the air? I heard you on the air. Like that was just like our dorky thing that we loved to do, and fell in love with it that way. And then other like talk shows and things along those lines. And when I was going into college, I had no idea really what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to do something in some kind of entertainment base, whether it be TV, radio, or film. Uh, And so I just kind of learned a little bit about all of them. I I worked at the college television station. I did college radio. And then I interned at a film company in in Manhattan because I grew up in New York and Brooklyn. And the one that when I first moved out to Seattle, that A, was the one that most appealed to me. And also the only one that really got back to me when it came to like trying to find a job was uh, radio. And I just, I love the idea of uh, with radio as opposed to like, at least at the time when I was doing it, TV felt like, okay, if you're in TV, you're either an editor, you're a filmographer, you're an on-air person, but you can't be all. Whereas with radio, you can do everything. Like if you want, like if you, whatever your creation is, you can see it through from the writing of it to the producing to the performing of it to the editing if it's something that's pre-taped or if it's not live and that to me was really exciting i love the idea of like okay like you can have your hand in everything uh but then it was like the fun part of trying to find a radio job because i didn't have any connect oddly enough the only connection i had out of college was mtv because a lot of the people that i worked in college with ended up going on to do great things in mtv so our college which is a small town in upstate new york called plattsburgh a lot of like really talented TV people like from our college television program ended up at MTV working behind the scenes. Oh, that's so they're like, yeah, I was like, that's cool. But like, I didn't want to live at home and I didn't want to like have that safety net of like, well, if all else fails, I'm living at home. I, I saw a lot of my other friends be very lazy because they lived at home and they didn't really like force themselves to get out of their own comfort zone. So it's like, if I, if I don't live at home, I could probably force myself to succeed in a better way. 
Um, and I wasn't too sure if I wanted to do MTV because even though a lot of my friends were doing it, they didn't seem happy. Uh, they seemed like, okay, they're working there, but that was almost used as like, um, like that was used over their head. Like, hey, you should be happy you're here because you're at MTV and that's like exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, we could treat you like crap. We could pay you poorly because you're at MTV. And like that didn't appeal to me at all. Um, and some of them went on to like have very good careers. So it's like, it just depends on who you talk to and some were miserable and some weren't. Uh, so I was like, let me just check out Seattle. Cause I've always had a I'm trying to keep this short. Cause I could get rambling and, <laughs> and it's a long story, but like, I love Seattle music scene growing up. Uh, like the, all the Nirvana's, the Pearl Jams, the Allison Chains, the Soundgarden's, Mud Honey, all those bands. I was like, be cool to be there just to see what it's like. And let me see if I can make a, uh, get a job out there. And if I can't, I'll just move back home. So a few of us went, one of them being, a, it all started on a drunken night, shockingly. Uh, I remember asking a girl if she would move from Seattle with me because I had a crush on her. And she said, yes. And I'm like, I should just ask her to go to the movies. Like, I can't believe like she could, you know what I mean? Like, and we never ended up being an item. Like we were never a relationship. It was always just, we were just buddies and we moved there together. Eventually she got sick of living there because we had another roommate that was a pain in the butt and she wasn't finding anything in her career in Seattle. So she moved back. The other guy I didn't want to live with. And I'm like, well, I think I'll move back too. But then my car's transmission broke down and I couldn't afford to move back. And I couldn't drive a car that could only go 35 miles per hour back to Seattle, back to New York. And then I got a job in radio. Like it was like one of those things where it's like all these weird things happened. I was about to give up on this little dream of working in Seattle because I couldn't find a job. And then I got a job because my car broke down. It was like, one, you know what I mean? Like it's like, Wow, I should pay yeah. attention to this. Like, even though I'm not like saying it was like meant to be, because who knows what's meant to be and what's not. But at that moment, it felt meant to be. Yeah. And I, I got a job at a Spanish radio station, of all things. Oh, okay. Well, I applied to everywhere. Now you're probably wondering, <laughs> okay, so you speak Spanish. And the answer is no, I don't speak any Spanish. <laughs> and I worked as a board operator at a Spanish radio station for about a year. And I, couple of the guys that worked there spoke a little English, but for the most part, none of them did, or English was not a very good second language for them. So in a weird way, though, I had a lot of fun because I just sat in a room. They pointed at me when they wanted me to play their commercials, and I would hit a button, and I'd watch the countdown on the machine, and I'd point back at them, and that was pretty much my job for eight hours. Like I would stare at people who spoke a language I didn't speak, and I would just hang out. And... Did that for almost a year until I got a job as a producer on a morning radio show. Um, and there were a couple other little things in between all that, but it's mainly, I, I was hoping to work at the end, which is actually one of our sister stations here at KSW. It's the alternative rock station. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was trying and trying, applied to be a morning show producer there, never heard back from them. Like eight months later, they get back to me and go, hey, do you still want that job? I'm like, I didn't even know that was, they're like, yeah, the interviews went longer than I thought. I'm like, it went like eight months. Like it took you eight months to figure this out. Um, but took the job, of course, because it was a dream job. And through a series of people quitting or fired, whenever a job would open up, like, hey, we need someone to do the traffic in the mornings. I'm like, I'll do it. And like, we're not going to pay you more. I'm like, that's cool. I just want the experience. Or yeah. we need someone to do the music news report for the radio station. I'll do it. We're not going to pay you more. That's cool. You know, it's like a lot of that. Uh, but you know how, like, like, when you first get into radio, you just want to get an opportunity to prove that you're worth something. So yeah. I didn't care about what I was being paid. I was being paid like for 25 hours of the week, working 60 minimum wage. I worked also as a apartment manager um, in lower in downtown Seattle. So I was running an apartment complex mainly so that I could live for free so I could work doing radio. And so 
to me, it was great. Like, I'm like, I live for free in downtown Seattle. I got a free parking spot, like all this stuff. Yeah, it sucks because people will call you in the middle of the night with problems when you have to get up at three in the morning to work your radio gig. But to me, it was worth it because I'm able to pay my bills, being paid next to nothing, doing what I love to do. But eventually, you know, like anything, you got you, you want to get paid more. And and I became so valuable because I did so much that when I was like threatening to leave, they were like, what would it take to keep you? I'm like, I just want to be full time. I just want to have benefits and obviously a pay bump. And and I think to them, they're like, yeah, this guy's a sucker. We're still paying him almost nothing, but now we're giving him benefits. And did that for a while. Uh, eventually that gig ended because we went to another station, which long story short, we got fired. And then I was like, I don't know if I want to do radio anymore because I don't want to be the the radio gypsy. Uh, and I know a lot of people are and respect to those that do it. I don't want to travel and move around from place to place just to have a radio job. It just wasn't what felt right to me because I love Seattle so much. And it became my home. Like that was where my friends were. Uh, eventually, long t- later on down the line, I meet the person that I marry and I love and have a kid. So now it's even more like I don't ever foresee myself leaving Seattle, radio gig or not. Uh, and then it was like about a year and a half into being unemployed that I got a call from KSW, the rock station. Howard Stern was the morning show. He was leaving uh, to go do satellite radio. And they're trying to figure things out. And they're like, well, we're going to take this guy, BJ Shea, who is doing middays on a talk station. We're going to put him in the mornings and he needs somebody that's like you. And we realize that you're not working. How about it be you? And so figured it all out. Next thing you know, I'm now producing BJ's show. And then again, started from the bottom and went through a series of people either quitting or being fired or whatever happened in in the world. I just kept waiting for my opportunity to get more shine on the air because I knew I could do it. I did it already, but I also knew where my place was. I was being brought on as a producer and I wasn't going to disrespect those that were already there. And I was going to do everything I could to make them look great. But when they weren't there, of course, I'm going to take that opportunity to try and be as, and it's funny because when they finally had the point where like, okay, we need to find a new sidekick for BJ. How about we have you do it until we find somebody? And I'm like, okay. And then they never found somebody and it just ended up, they're like, oh wait, the ratings went up with you as the, the co-host. Maybe we should just keep you as the co-host. Might as well keep you. <laughs> right. And then credit to BJ. At some point, he eventually decided he wanted, because I wanted, to, I was called Steve the producer. That was like my radio moniker on the air since I started at the end. But I got to the point where I'm like, all right, I'm in my 40s. It's a silly nickname. I don't like it. Um, also, I'm not just a producer, and I feel like it's hurting me. Like, there are certain endorsers that didn't want to work with me, according to salespeople, because, like, we don't want the producer. We want the co-host. Yeah. And they're like, well, he is the co-host. If you listen to the show, that's just his nickname on the air. So I was like, this is just holding me back. So I decided I, I want to ditch that, go with my actual nickname, which is Steve Miggs throughout growing up playing hockey. And like, actually, when I first started in radio, I was called Miggs on, on the end. And so I was like, I want to go with the name that I'm familiar with. And that's me. And it was kind of like a weird, like, I want to take back who I am. Like, I'm, I'm sick of being like this character of Steve, the producer, which I didn't like, never liked it. And I love my job, but I hated being called that. And I would cringe whenever someone at like a listener party would call me that. And if nothing they did wrong, they heard me being called that. So they assumed that's my name. Um, so taking that back and then it led to BJ being like, not only do I think you should go with your actual real name, but we should put your name on the show. And I'm like, well, geez, I wasn't expecting that. But like, that's a credit to him. Like not many hosts would be that giving. And uh, I, I always will have a, not a lot of love for him for many reasons. But that one being definitely one of them that like, I think he recognized, cause he was once a sidekick. And I think yeah. he recognized that sometimes when you are the sidekick, people that 
don't understand what you bring to the table just show you not as much respect as the host, mm -hmm. uh, which is unfortunate. Um, so I think he realized that and wanted to kind of remove that uh, stress in my world because he's like, you do so much for the show. You deserve to have your name on the show. So why don't we just do that? Uh, so that's a really rambling way to get to where I am right now, but uh, I hope <laughs> it made sense. It made total sense. And how long have you been the co-host? By title on the show, about eight or nine years, but kind of for the last 10 or so years, really been doing the co-hosting. And then by like actual name, I think it might've been, it's anywhere between seven. I'm the worst with dates. Like, <laughs> I, it's so funny when I meet people and they're like, oh, this is my 17 year anniversary of the day I'm, you know, like stub my toe or you know whatever and i'm like that's amazing <laughs> i don't know but i'm like i don't remember when i got hired i don't remember when the show changed i remember my anniversary and the birth of my child because i know that would be trouble if i didn't mm -hmm. i don't always remember my own birthday until i get the facebook notifications like what? i've never been i'm just never been someone that's been obsessed with time i don't know like it's not like a deep or anything crazy it's just like i don't have that concept of time like i just like it blows my mind that I've been doing radio for 20 years. Like going to these conventions, I still feel like I'm the insecure 20 something that doesn't, that has that, as a lot of people say nowadays, like, you know, imposter syndrome. I still feel that way. Even though I've been doing it for 20 years, you'd think by now I would be like, okay, you've earned your key. But I still don't feel that. And I think that's a good and a bad thing. Like good in the sense that I've always still try hard to prove that I deserve to be where I am. But bad in the sense that I, I need to, I need to like pump my own tires every once in a while because, you know, I mean, you work hard, you deserve to treat yourself like you belong somewhere, but I've never felt like I belong. And I think it's because I just don't have that concept of time. Like, I just feel like I just started doing radio a year ago, even though I've done, I, I've been doing it for over 20 years. Oh, wow. It's a weird thing. I, I, I don't understand it, but like, it trips me out whenever like I get those Facebook memories and I'm like, holy crap, that was 15 years ago. I felt like it was just a couple of you know, months ago to me. Yeah, I don't know. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. That's insane. And honestly, like you get, what is the next short-term, long-term goal? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I'm like this with a lot of things. You're probably going to walk away people who listen to this, like, this guy's just some weird, like drinking the hippie juice guy. Cause I'm not like that guy, <laughs> but like, I am in a way, like I believe in like, I never like, I, and in everything that I do, I, I don't have a destination in anything that I do. And I mean, obviously like in radio I did, but when I hit that destination, like I know some people are like, oh, now I have a new thing. It's this. It's like, I'm trying my best to just enjoy every, the journey of everything I do in life. Like, so like, like with radio, like I, I just want to create fun moments and fun memories for our audience, for our, us on the show. So like, for instance, like we, up, upcoming, we have a thing we do called Live Day every year. And I get excited when we come up with a dumb idea that we can do at these events. So we do a thing where everything is performed live from the commercials to the music, to the sound effects. We do it at a casino. It's a super fun day. It's, it's like a, you get to cut people pay money to come to this, which is crazy, but it's like watching a live train wreck. Cause sometimes things go well, sometimes they don't. But like the other day we were just talking about ukuleles for some reason. And I'm like, I bet we can learn a song on the ukulele. And how about we do teenage dirtbag since everyone's been talking about that song again. <laughs> and it's a, it's a song that like, no matter how many times I hear it, I love it. I was yeah. like, why don't we learn teenage dirtbag on the ukulele and all of us on the show except for bj because he doesn't like to have fun uh no, i'm kidding of course <laughs> but all of us are going to learn how to play the ukulele and we're going to do that song live to me that's what i'm most excited about like in november it's going to either be really good or it's going to be awful and it's going to be fun no matter what like those are like my things now like 
I know I don't have like, oh, I hope we get syndicated or I hope we do this or, you know, I want to continue to do well so I can pay my bills, telling fart jokes and, you know, I, I can provide for my family and not have to find a real job and all that kind of stuff, of course. <laughs> yeah. But like, like recently we did a thing and I didn't want to even do it because it's, it, it kind of goes with that whole self-serving. It feels weird, but w people at the station want to do a roast of me at a casino. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. This sounds crazy. That sounds but, like fun. <laughs> And then that, that, that was part, like, I was like, what if it doesn't do well? But then there's a part of my brain that's like, but what if it does? And you passed up on it because you were scared. So I'm like, screw it, let's do it. And we ended up like, you know, doing this big roast. Most of it was just the, our, our personalities doing the roasting. We had a, a former Seahawk player that was there that that was surreal because he's like one of the greatest of all time. And Walter Jones who's in the hall of fame and he came down to be a part of it. And Craig Gass, a comic flew in for it. And then we had like video messages from, like Sarah Colonna and uh, like uh, uh, guys in Pearl Jam. And it was very like flattering. But like, so I was like, man, I'm still nervous about this because I, I have to now insult in a fun way my peers. And I'm not, I don't like going, I'm not like that's That's not my style of humor, mean spirited. Like my style of humor is goofing on myself or goofing on somebody when they know full well that I'm just goofing on them to get a laugh. The minute I feel like someone's like, if I can see in their eyes that I'm hurting their feelings, shut it down. I don't want to do that. That's not cool. Like I like making sure everyone's laughing with each other and not at anybody. That's like my thing. So like to do a night where I'm like taking shots at my coworkers was like, my mind was spinning, but then I had this stupid idea and this is what I got excited about. Like, these are the things I look forward to. It was like, what if I do like the whole backstory of why I wanted to be an entertainer is like short story, long story short, my grandfather was my, on my dad's side was awful. He was not a very good person to me. He was, mean, all this stuff. Anytime I try to make him smile or laugh, he would tell me I was an idiot and yell at me and all this. Very sad story, but like, I was like, I'll never forget one time I tried to do a ventriloquist show to him, like a puppet show, because I was obsessed with puppets when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And I did it and he just was mad. And I would, and, but I would always keep trying to do it to the point where he's like, to my dad, he's like, I'm not coming to your house if your stupid son is gonna try and do puppet shows. And it was like, like this, and I kept trying to do it because now I'm trolling him. Like, I think that's when I first learned how to troll somebody. Yeah. Because my brother thought it was hilarious. Like, so I was doing it to make my brother laugh because like, it was making grandpa mad. So like, that's like the whole backstory of why I ever wanted to be an entertainer was to prove this guy who's no longer alive. So it's stupid that I still have this constant quest to make a man laugh or to prove to a man that I'm entertaining that's no longer alive, that that's my world. So I was like, how great would it be full circle if the night ends and I don't do a roast I pull out a puppet and I do a freaking ventriloquist show to prove that I could do a ventriloquist show. And like, I set it all up during the roast. Like I explained to the audience, I'm like, this is surreal. I never thought I was very entertaining. And this is why, because I was beaten into my head by my grandfather. I wasn't funny. I wasn't this, I wasn't that. Sadly, he's no longer here. And, and I'm not gonna make fun of anyone on stage, but I do have a friend I wanted to bring up on stage, but he's old. So for COVID reasons, I'll put a mask on because I can't really do ventriloquism. So now I have a mask on so I could talk while the puppet's moving its mouth. And did, and this puppet just called everyone the worst words, the C word, you know, just insulted everyone on the, on the stage. And the whole crowd's dying. Uh, uh, comic Craig Gass is like, I've done, he's done roasts for like big name celebrities. Like I've never seen the subject of the roast do something so different and so funny like you just did. And I was like, but for me, it was like, if it doesn't go well, then I end it with, well, I guess my grandfather was right after all this time, <laughs> you know, and if it doesn't yeah. and, and did go well, and I'm like, oh, and by the way, F you grandpa and the place like, yeah, you know, so it was like this, 
to me, that's the stuff that gets me excited. It's like, how can I make something so absurd, but make it work? Oh, I'm all about that. Like that, that to me is my favorite thing in the world to do. So I don't like to, again, long story. I'm the worst at these. Like I suck at being interviewed. <laughs> I, I, I talk and I ramble and I'm sorry. You'll no, have to it's edit. No, it's 100% okay. <laughs> but like that to me is what gets me excited. It's like, okay, like how can I make this journey more fun? And if I don't have a destination, then wherever we go, that's awesome. Like I do that, like I wrestle on the side, like like the WWE style independent wrestling, like mm -hmm. performance art kind of live theatrical combat. But like, I never had a goal of ever having a match when I trained. Like I just did it because I'm like, I've always loved this and I would love to learn how to do it. And then I had a match and now I've been doing it for like five, four or five years. And I might even get to wrestle at, at our big arena for when all elite wrestling comes to town, Whoa. which is insane. Like I just found that out and I'm like, that would have never, like, for some, that's the destination. For me, it's just, like, anything that's happened ever since my first match has been just a fun journey. Yeah. And that's and that's like that with radio. Like, getting to be on the air and getting a, a paycheck to be on the radio was my destination. Everything else now is just, now I'm on a journey. And I don't care where I go with it, so long as I get to go somewhere. Most embarrassing moment. Ooh. Oh, man, that's a good, uh, Okay. I do have most of my embarrassing moments are super fun because they make for a great story. And yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like I, also I, I wrestle in spandex on the weekends for fun. Like, like against, you know, in front of a crowd of people, like the wrestling thing has really helped me lose all inhibition. Like I'm wearing tight spandex that I shouldn't, but you know, having a crowd of people chanting mean things because like, I play a bad guy in the ring and all that. But one of my all-time most embarrassing moments, so I was a big fan of the band Blind Melon. I don't know if you remember the No Rain song. And okay. they were like, yeah, they were like, they were one of my favorite bands. Like, and so they eventually their singer passed away, but they started a new band called Unified Theory. And they came in studio and they were going to perform live on my morning show when I worked at the end. So I'm setting up the room for, because I was producing at the time. And I was so excited. I'm like, I get to mix the sound for one of my favorite bands. Like, this is going to be amazing. And so I'm setting it all up. I'm putting all the wires and they're in the room getting everything ready. And I'm bent over. Uh, attaching something and i reveal the worst butt crack <laughs> ever to the point where everything got quiet in the room our host goes uh steve you want to maybe i'll uh, pull your pants up and i pull i'm like oh my gosh like it's like half butt just fully out there like you know like i should have wore a belt that day kind of thing and i look oh, at the no. members that i idolize and their faces are red like, they're just like, what did we just see? Like, what is going on? It's nothing awful. And they were the nicest guys. And they, we all laughed about it. But, like, whenever anyone asked me what was the most embarrassing thing, in the sea of all these embarrassing things I've ever done in my life, that one was one of, that was, like, the first time, I think, where I felt truly embarrassed and actually helped me for the rest of my life to not feel embarrassed about things. Because, like, should the person bring basically my butthole? Like, I mean, at this point, like, it can't get much worse than that. Like, oh one of my, my favorite gosh. bands. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot. Like, if you listen to our show, I flub words all the time, and people bring that up all the time. I That was one of my... If I ever was to give advice to someone new and they say, hey, what would you give me as advice? I, I would always tell them, embrace your flaws. Okay. And I know that sounds so dumb. And I think, like, now we've gotten to a point in life where more people are like, yeah, totally. That makes all this, it's like a no brainer. But like 20 years ago, so many people in radio, including myself, you wanted to sound as good and as perfect as possible, which also means that you don't sound real. You're, in, you're not authentic. And people connect and relate to when you show a vulnerability that like, 
yeah, I have a struggle pronouncing certain words. I'm from New York. I have an accent at times that peeks through and I say words in a strange way. And instead of like, I used to avoid saying those words so I wouldn't make those mistakes. Now I'm like, oh, let me go into it head on, knowing full well that I'm lobbing a softball to everyone on the show to make fun of me because I know it's connected. It, it relates to people like, hey, we're all flawed. No one, no one speaks perfect English. And if they do, you don't usually trust that person. So like to me, that's like one of the best things ever is like to be okay with being embarrassed and 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 showing your vulnerable side because A, I think it will make you feel less insecure about those things because you're now like embracing it. Mm-hmm. And B, you're creating something that's so uh, relatable to an audience. You know, whenever I share anything that I think is the most embarrassing thing on the air, and then we get texts from people being like, dude, I'm dealing with the exact same thing. It's so nice to know that I'm not alone. It's like, these are harmless things, but you know, you just made, you made a connection with someone that will probably last a lifetime because they all of a sudden don't feel as awkward and embarrassed by yep. whatever it is because a person on the radio that to them should be like, you know, larger than life figure is just as silly or just as flawed as they are. Can you do an impression of somebody? Oh God. So I do impressions of animals on the air because they're terrible, but that's like <gasps> an ongoing it. bit, like a bear. I go, rawr, it's a, a, a oh, dumb. God. But that's, like, that's like uh, that's like R-A-W-R with the X-D. Yeah. Like yeah. Thank you, Steve, for joining me. Can't wait for next year, wherever it's going to be, Chicago, or it was the best one I've ever been. I mean, I, if I again, like, it's weird for me to feel like I'm an older person in the radio world, but like, you know, I say, because I still feel youthful, but like this younger crew of radio personalities that have, that are so passionate, like it just was, just, it was invigorating. It was like, oh man, like. Anyone who's saying that radio is dying is is blind to the fact that there's so many young, intelligent, talented people that are going to bring a whole new vibe to radio that I'm excited to know that, okay, this is going to continue for a very long time. Because for a while, it just felt like the same old people were coming to these and eventually they're going to stop coming. And then not the convention itself is going to die out, but just the form of radio entertainment. And all of a sudden I'm starting to see like, I couldn't even count on how many, I, I borrow everybody's hands. I couldn't count on that many hands. Like it was like, there was so many young, talented, like just exciting people that are in radio that I'm like, I'm jacked about that. Like I left that convention going like, that was something special there. And I hope, I'm glad to hear that other people felt the same way. Where can people find you on socials? Everything's, I'm Steve Miggs. Uh, I made the mistake because I'll spell it, be like, it's a letter, it's I am, and then like, oh, is it I am Steve Miggs? No, it's letter I, letter M, and then Steve Miggs. Well, there's like some guy that's like in the Navy that's got Steve Miggs, and I feel bad. He's always being tagged on things. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm Steve Miggs. <laughs>